welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. I am wicked excited to be here with you and especially to share this episode with all of you. Now, my guest has been on the show before. In fact, this is like a triple hat moment. This is his third time being a guest on the show. But this is the first time that we've ever had the kind of conversation that we're about to have today. My guest today is Jordan Dranes, who is not only my friend, but he has been my client for the past seven or so months. And I'm doing this special intro because I just want to let folks be aware. Now, most of you are used to my potty mouth. <laughs> so sometimes I'm like, ooh, you know, you know, you know to like block their ears, right? If you're blasting this over your car speakers or whatever. But I really wanted to talk about a different kind of um, thing just to be aware of, that there are some sensitive topics that come up in this conversation. So I'm calling this episode An Honest Conversation About Mental Health with Jordan Dranes. And uh, the sensitive topics um, include things like trauma and violence, uh, drug addiction, overdose, death suicide. So there's some big topics that are going to be talked about. And I just want to be mindful in case you have little ears listening to be mindful of that so that you can make the choice as a parent, uh, but also for your own inner child, right? This is a long conversation. It's a like two hour long episode, um, but it's powerful. It's impactful. I feel like in some ways it is going to be very helpful for people. So look, as my friend Linda Tai says, sip, sip, right? So maybe take little sips and little doses. It might take you more than one listen or more than one day to um, kind of take in this whole episode. So just be kind to yourself, be kind to your nervous system. And I would love to hear from you if this episode leaves um, an impact on you or an impression on you or gets you to think Um maybe in a new way or to be curious. Um, I'm really honored that Jordan has chosen to have this conversation. And I wasn't sure whether to call it an honest conversation or a vulnerable conversation or because it's all of those things. This is a powerful conversation. It is very honest. It is very vulnerable. And I just want to applaud his willingness and his bravery, um, his courage, his openness and um, yeah, just how much guts and chutzpah it took to say, yeah, I'm going to lay it out on the line. Uh, Jordan 
has a really big following on social media, like 170,000 people. Some of you may know him as Conscious Muscle. And Jordan is uh, a badass vegan bodybuilder. He has also been my strength and conditioning and nutrition coach as well. I really just hope you enjoy this topic and are, are moved by this conversation as I was. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Karen Kenny show. I am so super duper excited today. So the person that I'm talking to, some of you guys might recognize him. So Jordan uh, Dranes, this is now your third time on my podcast, which is unheard of. This is like, you're, you're like, you're like the first triple hat person to like be on my show. So welcome back. Welcome back. I'm wicked excited. So I'm going to, um, I'll probably do, I might do a special intro to this show, but in case people skip it or don't listen to it or whatever, I just want to kind of lay out for the listeners, like a little bit of who you are. And then you can also share a little bit about who you are. And then I'll talk sure. about like what we're doing here today, because this is a really important episode and it's unlike anything. It's unlike any episode I've ever done before. And I'll explain to the listeners uh, why. So if you are here right now, you can hear the sound of my voice. First of all, thank you for being a loyal listener. If somebody dragged your ass here and is like, listen to this episode, if they forwarded it to you, uh, thank you so much for following following through and actually taking action and hitting play and being here with us. Um, but Jordan is, um, Jordan is not only a friend of mine. Uh, he is also, um, has been a client of mine for like the past seven ish months. Uh, and I've also been a client of yours and we can maybe talk about that a little bit too. Sure. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I've had Jordan on the show twice before. Um, some of you might recognize him or know him as conscious muscle, so Jordan is like, I mean, you have like a shit ton of followers. I was going to say you're worldwide, but you kind of ask like 170K followers or something crazy like that uh, on Instagram and stuff like that. So you, are, um, you are, and I'll let you more specifically break down like who you are and what you do. But when I look at you, I think of you as, okay, vegan bodybuilder, the owner of Conscious Muscle, which is an online vegan strength and conditioning and nutrition coaching right? You know, company, right? You also own CM supplements, conscious muscle supplements. You do supplements and you also are a dad. Is there anything yeah. I left off that list? No, that's pretty much it. I kind of put it as father, um, coach, vegan bodybuilder and a supplement company owner. You got it. Human yeah. being. And you're and human being, of course, mo most importantly, human being. <laughs> and you also do a little powerlifting and stuff too, right? So not just traditional yeah. strength training, you also do powerlifting and stuff like that. So you have a really big presence um, online. And one of the things that we were talking about um, when we were talking about doing this episode, because we're going to be talking about mental health, we're going to be talking about um, your story, we're going to be talking about our work together and stuff like that. But it's that as somebody who does have such a, a big following and you are well known and, you know, nowadays there's a lot of quote unquote vegan influences or vegan bodybuilders, but you're one of the OGs, right? Like you yeah. started. So can you just give us a little snippet of that? So like, when did you kind of start to come out on the forefront of being like a, 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 a online influencer as much as that name like makes me want to hit stab myself yeah, in the face yeah, with this pen. but like yeah so, so tell me a little bit about about when conscious muscle came to be 
Sure. Yeah, it was uh, over nine years ago when I went vegan and um, I wasn't into social media or anything like that. And I had a friend suggest Instagram to me before I knew what the hell it was. So I started posting my fitness content, which was cool, but I got very into animal rights and activism. And I started posting my vegan content and my vegan fitness content because I realized one of the biggest things on social media, one of the biggest mediums that people are interested in is fitness. So not everyone cares about animals or veganism, but they do care about getting in great shape and having abs and building a booty and all that. So, if, <laughs> you know, that that's what people care about, you know, and if I can spread veganism through that medium, why the hell not? So because I was so passionate about veganism, I really got into the social media game. And once I started having people reach out saying, hey, I'm going plant based because I saw your poster. Holy shit, I didn't know you can build muscle and be vegan. That's when I knew. That's when I knew I was on to something. And um, I, I would be bashful to say this in the past, right? But now because of how I view things, I, I became very, my definition of the word success, right? Meaning pursuing a worthy goal or ideal, right? That makes a positive impact and you benefiting from it, however that may be. Um, it, it just became my life's work. You know, I'm able to help people spread veganism and get people in amazing shape, you know? So I think it was the, the passion for veganism that really accelerated the business and the following, not so much just the fitness content. Yeah. And wanting to help people. Like it's one of the ways you spread love in the world is by through your, your work and your, what you do uh, for your life's work. Uh, absolutely. And now the vegan space is obviously inundated with, you know, everyone's a coach and all of this stuff and cool, you know, more power to everybody. You know, the more, the more people we have out there spreading veganism, the better, but yeah, it just came from a place of passion and purpose, you know? Yeah, I do know. So the reason why I wanted to talk about that and why it 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 kind of plays into the conversation today is that I was highly aware about the fact that you sharing on this program and uh, me reading your testimonial about our work together and talking about this stuff, it's wicked vulnerable. I mean, this isn't something you've ever done to this depth about what we're going to do no. today, right? So I wanted to talk to you about that. Like, how are you feeling about this conversation, knowing that you do have a ton of followers. You're probably going to share this with them. I'm going to share it with all my platform and people and stuff like that. And people on my email list and my loyal listeners and stuff. So how are you feeling about that? Like, uh, kind of putting you on the spot, but like, how are you feeling about that? Well, you know me, so this isn't going to be a surprise to you. I'm uh, monitoring my breathing right now. So I don't breathe too heavy because my heart, you know, it is racing. It is very vulnerable. Although I like talking about mental health to a degree, Never to this degree. I've never shared what we're going to get into. And, you know, being honest, like I am, we had this conversation, you know, on multiple platforms, I have a lot of people looking to me for advice and guidance, especially my clients. And, you know, that little voice in my head, one of those irrational fears is like, cool, everyone's going to know you're fucked up, bro. And, Aww. you know, no, yeah, no, but literally where my mind went after that was, I thought about the people in life whether they're in the fitness industry, entrepreneurs or whatever it may be, the people I respect and the people that I look to are the people who were the underdogs that have a story that have gone through this shit and thrived in spite of that. Like, I don't want to meet the person that has the perfect life and have them give me advice. You don't, you don't understand. You don't get it. But I do want to meet the guy that's lost everything and got it all back because he built it. He worked his ass off. And despite everything that he went through, right is here. So those are the people I like. Those are the people I love and respect the authentic people that just like we talked about display their humanity. 
on Instagram and social media, there's not a, hu a lot of humanity. It's just a visage of a person. It it's an image that they portray. So I thought this would be a good way to kind of bust through that and be like, hey, I'm a human being. I've had very human experiences and I I've been through the ringer. I've gone through a lot of shit. And the fact that I can be a dedicated and loving father, a successful business person and a good friend at this point in my life about to turn 37 can maybe inspire others to show them like, hey, it doesn't matter what's been done to me or what I've done. I get to decide where I go from here. Like every day is an opportunity for a new life. And um, yeah, I didn't see that in the past. And I see that now. And it's important that other people see that too. You know, what you see on social media is not real. The victories and accomplishments are, but again, to put your humanity on display for the world to see, especially for the purpose of reaching people, I think is, um, it's important. It's important. So that's, that's why, that's why we're here today. Oh, Jordan, my hat. Yes. And for those oh. of you who are oh. listening, and <laughs> ew, 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 feelings, oh. ew. <laughs> so, sip, sip. Remember, Linda Ty, a little sip, sip, sip helps calm the nervous system, right? So drinking those little oh, water boy. beds. Oh my God, you're making me tear up too. Oh, so you I guys at home who are um, listening and not watching, this would be a great episode to watch. But the whole time, the whole time, uh, Jordan was talking. I was nodding my head vigorously. Yes, yes, yes. And my hands were on my hat because it is such a brave thing that you're doing. And I love your fucking humanity as part of what makes you you. And as you were saying, you know, <clears throat> one of the reasons we decided to do this podcast, you know, when I shared your testimonial with with the people who are on my email list, and if you're listening to this and you're not on my list, you don't miss out on good shit like this, right? Sign up, karenkenny.com slash sign up. But when I shared this, um, one of the things that I said, and I'll just read a tiny bit of what I, I shared and then um, and why it ties into to you. So um, I was talking about how whether I'm talking to somebody, you know, when you meet people and they're like, so what do you do for a living, right? People always ask you like what you do, right? So whenever I just meet people or I'm being interviewed on a podcast, they often ask me about the work that I do. And while my answer is deeply personal and inspired by things that have happened in my own life, right? This is why I do what I do. Another big part of why I do um, is universal. And I basically said, I do what I do because there's so much suffering. Uh, this being human and so many of the experiences that we have here are just straight up fucking hard. <laughs> That's the truth. And I want to help and be of good service in ways that only I can and in the ways that I know how. So my inspiration for doing the work that I do is one, my own suffering. There was a lot of suffering in my childhood. There was a lot of trauma. Uh, Same is different, right? With you and I, we have, we, we, we get each other and exactly what you were saying, you know, I have found that as funny as it sounds, I also like to work with people who, as you put it, are fucked up, right? Like people who have been through it. Like, I'm like, we can't, for whatever reason, right? I feel like we can't speak the same language if you don't understand a depth of suffering. It doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't have to be a murdered mother or sexual abuse or blah, 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 whatever. Fill in all the blanks, the thousand and one ways we suffer as humans. But to know that you understand the depth of suffering, that is like one of the things that makes me often closer to people and friendships, but also helps me to develop um, trust. And I'm not talking about unhealthy trauma bonding, but I'm talking about, as you were saying, 
I love like underdog stories is a reason why Rocky is one of my favorite movies. Oh, of hell all yeah. time, Right. Yeah. You get it. So that, that comeback kid mentality. And not only that, not only did you just survive it, but you come back with some wisdom. You come back with some insight. You come back transformed. You have transmuted. Right. That's why like my group program is called the alchemy because it's about alchemizing this shit, this fucking hard stuff you went through and you come out the other side and you have something to offer. And that to me, when you were describing what you've been through and uh, the fact that you're willing to talk to me today, the word that I would choose is, is somewhat miraculous because a miracle is simply a shift in perception from fear to love. And that's what this work that I do is and that's what you've done through this work together is you're taking these things of our past this these fears and in our own way right we are turning it into it's story to glory man it is from fear to love and that is miraculous so i'm really really proud but when i was saying that the work that i do is about um i do it because i'm inspired by um suffering and wanting to help people something that you said in your testimonial that you wrote, um, you talked about the reason why we're doing this podcast. And I'm, I'm just going to um, I'm going to just read um, the, the, the bottom line of it while you're saying and then I'll read the whole thing because I think it's really impactful. Sure. But you said here. Um, I've spent the majority. No, no, no. Wait, hold on. Let me let me go here. OK. I'm saying this, this is you, I'm quoting you now. I'm saying this as a person who has suffered and lost so much for the majority of my life. And my wish for you reading this, or for those of you hearing this, is to not have to, to continue to go through whatever it is that you're going through, because there is another way. So the reason why we're talking today is because we're both very sensitive, both of us vegans, right? You've been vegan for nine years. I've been vegan for over 20 years is we're both highly sensitive people. I've told this, I've told you this so many times. I'm like, you look like a tough guy. Like you, you got the tattoos and you're fucking jacked and you're a bodybuilder, but you are a highly sensitive person. You are a sensitive soul and you feel very deeply. And I think it's one of the reasons why we are both vegan. And I think it's why we're both in the professions that we're in is because we do love to help people. And by you telling your story today, you are going to help people. So I just want to say thank you to you for being brave and for being courageous and for letting me share these vulnerable things with, with my audience. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I feel like it's going to reach the right people. Do you know what I mean? I have faith it will reach the right people. Yeah. And the reason why um, I'm really happy to talk to you um, is that, you know, you didn't just have any kind of like run of the mill story. Um, you have been through some stuff. So I want to talk a little bit about your story and then I'll read your testimonial and then we can kind of use that as a jumping off point for some questions. Okay. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I've heard your story a bunch of times. So as a storyteller, Right. I, I, I'm kind of annoying to tell a story to because I know I'll probably interrupt you or try to have you flush out some things uh, to create a little bit more meaning or whatever, or just to clarify some things for our listeners. Because when you have a lot of trauma and you, you you're used to kind of like what I call like disassociating. So like you can pull way back and just kind of report it like a news story. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you've been on a bunch of podcasts and you get interviewed and stuff like that. So 
you're kind of used to telling this story. So I might just kind of um, kick us off by asking a few questions and then kind of taking yeah. us through. Okay. So, um, all right. So here's one of the things I wanted to ask you. So you start off, just give us, flush it out. And if there's anything that you're not comfortable sharing, like something that's too personal, you're like, Hey, that's my dad's business. I don't really want to talk about that or whatever, but I think it's important. We just kind of flush out your earliest years. So here's what we know to be true. Kids are already, children are already being affected while they're still in the womb. Like while they're still in utero, right? In those final, in that final trimester, they are already assessing their external environment through their mothers. So do you kind of know like what your, um, your parents still together, your mother and your biological father, were they still together when you came into the world? Were they married or like, what's the, sto- yeah. Tell us the story there? Okay, so- where, where were you born? Like, kick us off. Like, just give us a little bit um, of, we're not going to do your whole autobiography, but give well, yeah. us like your starting point. Where are you? When you're born? I was born in South Florida in Miami. Um, my biological father and mother were together at the time. They definitely had a very volatile relationship because my mother was an alcoholic and heroin addict. And my father is very straight laced. I mean, I think he's drank a couple beers in his life. He's never smoked. He's never hit a joint. He's very very on the straight and narrow. So they had a very like tumultuous relationship. You know what I mean? As far as I know. And I, um, my mother was using while she was pregnant with me and that was a huge issue for him, you know? So yeah, definitely um, a, a little bit of a rocky start. You know what I mean? So when you came into the world, right? So like your mom was already, and this is one of the things that they say, like our nervous systems are highly linked up with the nervous systems of our earliest caregivers. So while you're in your mom, if she's she's not doing drugs and stuff because things are going well, correct? No, she 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 was a, later in life, I was, and well, I'm sure we'll touch on this, I was able to recognize more of her humanity. But yeah, she did, she did not, have a good mental state the majority of her life. She's a very troubled woman. Okay. So that's, that's what I'm kind of setting up here. So you're basically cooking in the stew of your mother's chemicals, her emotions, her feelings, her nervous system, her feelings of safety. Like you were baked in that oven. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. So you're, you're already swimming yeah. in that pool. And then you kind of come out into the world. Your parents have a tumultuous relationship and then at some point, your dad goes away. At what point, what happens with your dad? So um, my father had like a successful tile business and stuff like that. He was an aunt. He's from Israel. He came here, worked hard, started a business. You said, wait, and- did you say he came from Israeli? Israel, yeah. He came from Israel. Okay, you said he's Israeli. He came from Israel. He had a tile business. Is that what you said? So he's an entrepreneur. Yeah. And he's like working it in Miami. Like that's the thing. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Continue. And, and, um, my mother, as per usual, was able to drain all the bank accounts and blow everything on heroin behind its back until his company went out of business. He lost everything. Um, and my father had some connections and got involved with it was uh, late 80s, early 90s, Miami with trafficking coke and got caught with. And this is a man who's never touched it in his life. But, you know, you're an immigrant. Hard times. you got kids to take care of or a child to take care of. And he got caught with five keys of cocaine and served uh, four years in a California federal penitentiary. Okay, so four years. Okay, what? So I know timelines can be hard for you, right? We've talked about this. You don't always remember exactly when things are happening. But when he goes away for those four years, like, do you know roughly how old you are? 
I think I was in like, no. Like under I, 10? I, I, Are you under 10? Yeah, uh, under 10, probably like two, three, four, five. Oh, so uh, you're a little guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, well, the, and, and it, it, yeah. So you were, so you were little, that's what I'm trying to so say. It's not like you're in your teens. Like you're a little, no. little kid. You're like somewhere with like two, three, four, five, like somewhere in there. Yeah. And now your, your, your dad is just gone. This person who you're used to hearing him and smelling him and like his presence. And now he's just gone. So, you know, there's, a, we're already dealing with, like, if you've ever heard of the ACE score, adverse childhood, um, kind of, I call them adverse childhood experiences. We're already checking a few boxes, right? Oh, yeah. Of like things that are, are not going well. I still and, remember to this day him calling me and me talking, my mom hanging up on him and him having friends send me gifts and stuff. And I never knew anything was from him. She would always say, look what I got. I only found out when he got out. But yeah, it was a bad state that I was left alone with this woman. Like, it was oh. not good. Yeah. And I remember, you know, in some of our work together without like you've given me permission to, you know, share, share pieces yeah, that you definitely felt uh, scared, overwhelmed, alone. Like, why is nobody rescuing me or saving me? Like things are not fucking good in this household. Like you were aware. And so you spent most of your childhood being terrified. Is that safe to say? Yeah, I think I was without even knowing it. Like who who in, in South Miami, who lets an eight-year-old roam the neighborhood and street until like 10, 11 at night? Letting me, with, leaving me with strangers, going into strange. I mean, God forbid nothing happened, but like I'm like a little kid who befriended this old man and I would sit there and watch fucking Wheel of Fortune with him and he would make me dinner. Like, I guess he knew my situation, my mom, but you know, she didn't know I was there. She didn't know that like, God forbid, this could have been a guy who like, you know. Yeah. It was a it, pedophile. It, yeah. It's just a very bad situation for, for, for a little boy to be in, in, you know, South Miami just want, you know, it was a, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't good. Karen. So we were off to a rocky start. And then where's your, when did your brother come into this? Like, where's your, when is your brother, uh, you know, born. And cause I know there's these cast of characters who I think of, right. And when I think of your story, there's a cast of characters that I think of your brother, Terrell, your auntie, Abby, like all these people, yeah. we'll talk about them. But so where's your brother in all of this? So my brother was around a lot of the time where he was with his father. We had different fathers. My mother was divorced. Um, was he older than you? Yeah. And again, my timeline, because of the trauma is bad. I don't know our age difference. I think it was something like he was like, I don't even know, like eight years old or some, somewhere from like, I know it sounds, and you get me, people might not understand this, but when you have a lot of trauma, you don't remember dates, birthdays, yep. death, people. So yeah, he, he was definitely an older brother and he would look out for me the best that he could growing up. Like he was a- Troubled. Big, and he was troubled. Yeah, he, was a, he, was very, he was older going through this. So he was really troubled because he had a conception of what, what was going on. He wasn't a kind or loving brother, but given how he grew up, he was like a tough motherfucker and a brawler. So his way of showing love to me would be with anyone at school or the neighborhood mess with me. He would fuck them up. And I, and I, and I say that literally fuck them up. He was a very violent boy. Yeah. Violent. So another kid with a lot of trauma kind of. A lot trying of trauma. To... Mm -hmm. But that was how that it wasn't. I love you. It wasn't hugs. We didn't have any warm moments ever, but his way he's like, why are you crying? Where did it happen? Who did it? You know, and like, then so, like, let's go and then let's go. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then Terrell, this is your stepdad. I mean, there's, and there's a lot that's happening in the meantime. All right. So like there's, and so you, and, and 
and I'll get into this when I read your testimonial, but you end up, you know, you're in school, you're kind of struggling in school, you start getting labeled some things, right? So it's not like all, all there's a lot that is happening in your childhood. Oh, yeah. When I was like four or five, I was seeing therapists being prescribed Ritalin and fucking medicated. And yeah, Terrell came when I was a uh, Terrell. Terrell came when I was 11 um, and he met my mom in AA. And at that point, she was clean. At least we all thought. And he was um, the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, for sure, he was the most positive, positive influence I've ever had in my life. Like without him, like. So I told you the other day, I talked to my father and he still can't believe that I made it past 30. Like, you know, he was always waiting for the call. Like, you know, that you, done. that you had done something or had harmed yourself or you oh, for sure that, that I killed myself. Yeah. And then because of the life I was, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, the, uh, he's definitely, Terrell's a big factor as to why I am still here today for sure. And so he, he, did they get married? Did he and your mom get married? So they he did, was officially yeah, they, your stepfather. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they got married um, around when I was 11, 12, and um, me and my mother lived with him until I was roughly 17, to where um, we found out she was using again, and he kicked her out, and she moved to Miami, and he allowed me to stay with him, and then um, shortly after, as you know, I got a phone call from my grandfather that they found my mom dead on the bathroom floor, like with a needle in her arm and a pile of vomit, and, you know, like we talked about, rock bottom for some people is death. There's not always a coming back from it. So, yeah. For some people, rock bottom is they hit that place as an intervention of some kind or they have some sort of of their own reckoning or awareness. And then maybe it's like, you know, sobriety or a program or doing work or whatever it is. But, you know, as you she, she was in. She, yeah, sorry. Just no, go ahead. Well, you go ahead. She she was in and out of jail. She's been in rehab. She was in rehab more times than I'm like my grandparents literally went broke. They lost everything sending her to various rehabs and bailing her out. And so that's what I'm saying. She she had all the interventions in the world. You know, it was just whatever, whatever was troubling her was just, you know. And you never, away. yeah, and you guys never got an opportunity to have a, an a, any kind of conversation, and anybody about what was troubling her, and then anybody who knew her is now no longer really around or alive. I mean, except your biological father. I don't know if you guys ever talk about her, but you never really got to know her as um as like a, a mom that you you know you know what I'm saying like in that sense where you felt safe or cared for or whatever. Yeah. 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 And that's a lot. So then you get the call when you're 17 and it's a lot, like even just like I'm pacing this as like, we're talking because I know that it's a lot. So big, deep breaths whenever we need them. Yeah. Right? I remember I got the phone call while we were at the movies, me and my girlfriend at the time and my stepfather went to go see Blade. Blade just came out. And I remember I got the call and uh, my stepfather, Terrell was outside of the mall smoking a cigarette. And I just walked outside and I'm like, Hey, Terrell. He's like, yeah, George. I'm like, you might want to sit down. He's like, what's up? I'm like, it's about Lori. And he just looked at me and dropped his cigarette because we just, just knew. And I'm like, yeah, she's dead. So um, we're just going to go to like probably the funeral next week. My grand, my grandfather will call you and let you know. He's like, I just remember him standing there, like looking at me, like not surprised, you know, but just kind of like, yeah, you know, just like, just like we talked about the way people handle it. Like I still remember today at my mom's funeral, my grandfather walked behind me while I was standing in the aisleway with the casket like 50 feet in front of me and he put his hand on my shoulder and he looked at me he's like 
every drug he has an expiration date, huh, Jordan? I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. And he's right. He's right. You know, I know that's a very cold and callous. And again, I don't judge him for it because I don't know his journey with my mother. And I'm sure he was very hurt and devastated that he poured everything he had into this woman and um, his to daughter. no avail. You had to yeah. feel helpless as a father. You know, I, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, I mean, there's so much here. I mean, there's so much generational trauma and there's so much to just kind of roll downhill. And you can just tell by the way that people, uh, like the things that you do remember and the things that were said is that there weren't a lot of, clearly a lot of maybe tools <laughs> and nobody was talking about feelings. Do you know what I'm saying? Nobody, no, no, the, the no weakness. Yeah. No weakness was allowed, right? Like feelings are not allowed. You know what I mean? And, no, and I'm well, not, you... I just want to say, I'm not judging. Cause I come yeah. from that. I come from that, that place too. Like I was raised in that kind of an environment too. You fucking sucked it up and stuffed it down yeah. and you just kept moving. You know what I mean? And, um, so I'm not judging your grandfather. Yeah. I, I'm just saying like, but just, just to paint the picture of the environment that you were in, there was no talking about how we feel and healing and I'm sorry. And give, let me give you a hug. Like, like that stuff wasn't going on. No, the only male influences I had in my life were the various boyfriends my mom would have and do drugs with that would beat the shit out of her in front of me. Or the only older male that I'd be around consistently, my brother. And the way you get through life is fucking being hard. That's it. That's it. Right. I didn't even know feelings were something you talked about until I was an adult. I didn't know that. I, di I didn't know the, you know, just, hey, man, life happens. You deal with shit. If, if, if someone fucks with you, you fuck them up. That's it. So That's there were life. no coping mechanisms. There were no, no strategies. It was just eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You hit me, I hit you back or I hit you harder or whatever the thing is. Yeah. And being, you know, four five, six, seven, going to therapists and stuff, you don't really work on anything. They diagnose you and put you on Ritalin or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I, well, cause you yeah. don't even, when you're that young, you don't even have the capacity to really, I mean, child psychologists and stuff like that would, would maybe help you tell some stories and like talk about your feelings. But it sounds like back then it was just slapping these labels on you and yeah. then you going forward thinking, oh, I'm fucked up. I'm broken. I'm a bad kid. I'm a bad boy. Like I'm, uh, well, I'm difficult. Yeah. I'm difficult, unquote, difficult. Well, well, the psychiatrist doesn't know my, you know, the mom doesn't drop you off and say, Hey, I'm a drug addict, um, abusive boyfriends. This, you know, she's like, my son's misbehaving, do something about it. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And what's so fascinating about internal family systems work, right? Pat's work. We've talked about this a little bit is that, you know, Dick Schwartz, when he talks about this, he says, you know, the internal pots that we're referencing, these different pots of us in our mind, right? He says they're an internal family system, just like there's an external family system. He said in a lot of times, because he was also like a family therapist, he said a lot of times what he would see is that families would come in talking about one particular kid who was the problem kid. And what that child was actually doing was acting out the dysfunction of the greater family system. And that kid ended up being the quote unquote problem, but really they were the canary in the coal mine. They were often the sensitive one who was feeling everything and expressing everything and acting out because it was so fucked up at home. And so the work becomes recognizing all the different pots and roles that the other people are playing 
rather than labeling this kid. So a lot of people like to blame it on the one dysfunctional kid, but they're often kind of uh, a reflection of the dysfunction in the greater system. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Right. 100%. Right. So it's not just like, oh, Jordan. And this is why, you know, it breaks my heart a little bit, just realizing how difficult. Uh, and we've talked about this, how frustrated you were, even as a little boy, when you were in need and um, like nobody was coming to help you or save you or rescue oh, And what, what do you do at that age? You, I mean, I was in, I remember like, I think second or third grade, throwing a chair at the principal, getting in fights with kids, literally tearing classrooms apart where I had to be picked up and dragged, kicking and screaming from classes by security. Like, uh, you, you know, you don't know how to process stuff. So it, yeah. it turns you into a little animal. Oh, let's just take a big breath on that one. <laughs> yeah, my heart, my heart just goes out to my little buddy, Jordy. <laughs> my yeah. little buddy, my little buddy, Jordy. Oh my God. Okay, so we're having all this trauma happening. And then in a very short window of time, and people, if they want to hear the whole, whole story, they can go back. I think your very first episode, episode four, we really kind of like laid it out. But what happens tends to proceed after this. And then I want to read your testimonial and kind of dive into it more deeply as a jumping off point from there is that you basically have um, Terrell let you know that he's dying right? That phone call, right? Then your Auntie Abby, who had taken you in, right? You you went through some stuff. You ended up, you did a little time in prison yourself, right? So we have prison. We have Terrell dying, your brother dying, Auntie Abby, who was one of your safe places in the world, dying like back to back to back. We're talking like days, like a pot. You get stabbed. Your, you know, your apartment gets broken into. Like, so can we just kind of hit upon these little things and like, uh, and they're not little, but you know, what, can we just like dip yeah. into these 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 moments in your life that just kind of contribute to? Because um, I want to give people like kind of the full scope because it's really easy to, like you said, look on Instagram and see like, oh yeah, 170k followers, OG, you know, vegan bodybuilder, blah 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm like, but let's go back to where we started. You know what I'm saying? So tell yeah. me a little bit about those kind of events. So I guess just to summarize how it went with what you said, um, 17, my mom OD'd. I was still with Terrell. Um, I decided to live a different lifestyle and me and Terrell were still cool, but parted ways. I moved out at 17. Um, I had an incident where my apartment got robbed and I got stabbed six times and suffocated with a garbage bag. Um, and they were death blows. I had my right lung punctured. It went into my liver. I have a wound in my back, two millimeters from my spinal cord. Um, you know, and again, the way I dealt with shit while they were suffocating me, I, I ripped the, you know, long, I'm not going to get in the whole story, but I ended up surviving. You know, I just wasn't going out like that. Um, you fought yeah, for your life. That yeah, it, it's a long story. I I I, sh I should have died. Like I mean, I was on all fours, covered in blood, on the phone with nine one one, passing out with my lung pumping blood out. Um, they had homicide detectives on my case, and I know this because when I got out of the hospital and I reached out to the police department to the men who came to visit me at the hospital, they're like, "Hey man, you didn't die, so we're not we're we're not your go tos anymore." And to be honest, now that you're not a homicide, you're not a priority. And he was really, he was real about it. He's like, we got plenty of burglaries and shit like that. We got, you know, that that's for the normal cops. We're homicide detectives. So they just kind of, I got a case number and, and that was it, you know? Um, shortly after that, I got into a very bad bar fight, got arrested, went to jail. Um, 
got out and my aunt took me in, um, my aunt Abby. And yeah. while I was with her, I got the call from my stepfather, Terrell, my best friend in the world that he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And this is something, you know, you know, we were together since I was 11 years old and we loved each other, but we never once uttered it. And I knew we were at the end when he called me one day and um, he was like, hey, Jordan, how's it going? You know, we were catching up. He's like, I'm sorry, kiddo. I'm not going to make it out of this one. And I was like, fucking, fucking devastated. But so I watched him in hospice, um, him die. And then I lived with my aunt Abby. And shortly after we found out she had um, lung cancer. And, um, you know, she went for treatment for that, which didn't work. And I was with her in hospice. And the night before she died, I got a phone call that my other, my older brother, Jeff, got in a car accident and died. And then my aunt died that next morning. So, you know, between losing my mother, my stepfather, my own life, my brother, my, it was just, it, it was a lot. It, it was a lot. And, um, yeah, coming out of that, when my aunt died, I kind of, left that house with my uncle and my cousins and I met my girlfriend future wife at the time and had a very positive life for a short while after reading the secret and starting to apply those principles but again even though those principles I feel did work and contributed to the path I was on I didn't realize I had all this trauma and stuff inside that would eventually find its way out and and it did and because of that I had a very unhealthy relationships and very unhealthy habits. And yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the timeline with fucking everyone dying and, you know, getting, you know, and again, for the stabbing and all that, it, it's a long story. I know we talked about that more in depth in your podcast. Um, so I think that kind of summarizes that little bit of that yeah. chunk of time, 17 yeah. and that was between, I think 17 and 21. So a lot was going on. And then I, I know people are going to be curious. They're going to ask, well, where is your biological father this whole time? He lives in Israel. Um, you know, he. Not a judgment, it, just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah like, no, it's where, difficult where was... for him to get into the States because he was a felon. He was a criminal. So there's all sorts of weird stuff with that. But we talk once a week. We have a good relationship. Um, he's more of a, a friend than anything else. And um yeah, me and him had many talks before before I, you know, almost blew my head off. So uh, again, you know, me, him, and anyone else who knew me prior to becoming who I am would never, I mean, dead or in prison by 30. The fact that I'm 30, I'll be 37 this month is fucking insane. In, it, it really is insane. Like I'm, I'm on blessed time. I, I didn't think I would be here and I, I didn't want to be. Which, which leads us right into, are you comfortable with me reading your testimonial? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you and I uh, are shooting the shit on the phone. And so how we met, we don't have to go into it, but we somehow met online and then we ended up like we were going to have a quick conversation and you were in your truck. I remember you were like in your truck on the phone. It was supposed to be a very short conversation. I think I was asking you about a program or something like a, yeah, a it was, stre strength and conditioning program or something. I, I believe it was a coaching call and it was supposed, I still remember it very vividly. It was supposed to be like a so wait, Right. Yeah. But we were supposed to be, you were supposed to be talking to me about me and my yeah. goals. And then somehow it turned into like an hour long, like yeah. me talking to you about you because that's always what happens with I still remember it was interesting because I've never had another human being ask me these questions or dive in or care. And I didn't even know you. I knew you from social media. I've never had anyone like, do you know what I mean? So 
I, I remember it so vividly. It was pouring rain and I was sitting in my truck in the yes. parking lot of my complex. Yeah. I do yeah, remember. Yeah, I remember that because I do care and I did care and I still care. And so that's how we find ourselves here. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was really great. So you guys, this was like seven years ago. We stumbled across each other. We have this conversation. We realize we have this connection and it's great. So here we are seven years later, January of 2023. And I used to be a personal trainer. I'm no stranger to the gym, but it just hits differently having help, right? When you have sure. somebody who you ask for, first of all, it has to be somebody you trust, somebody you respect, somebody you know who can get results, right? Whatever. So I was like, yeah, this whole, you know, I'm going to be double nickels this year. So you're about to turn 37, I'm about to turn 55 in October. Um, and I was like, okay, this whole menopause, like whatever is getting older, whatever's happening to my body, I'm not going down without a fight, you know? And I'm like, I'm going to call Jordan. I'm going to be like, Hey, let like, will you write me a program or whatever the thing was? <laughs> and just through talking with you, I could tell I'm like, something like, I'm like, something's off here. Right. Like, and I could just tell, I'm like, I'm like my, my buddy, my brother, Jordan is struggling. That was just my sense, right? Yeah. So so we we shoot the shit and I'm like, hey, we decide to bada. And I'm like, hey, you write me programs and you coach me and I'll spiritual mentor and coach and like whatever. I do all these things and like, what do you say? And we were like, cool, right? So that's like how it starts, okay? And so here we are seven months later and um, watching you over these seven months, like I, I just feel like I have come to know you so well. Now, I'm not going to lie, right? Because I think this is an important part and we'll dive into this too, because you have such fantastic things to say about this. But I remember when I started to find out more about um, not so much your human story, but like your prognoses and the way you've been labeled. And there were certain like key things that I heard. And I was like, shit. So how many times, how many times Jordan, did I say to you, hashtag, not a therapist, hashtag, not a therapist, like hashtag, not a therapist. Yeah. Right. Because I want to always be really clear that I'm staying within the scope of my practice, uh, that I'm kind of staying in my own lane. Right. And that I'm, I'm not like, because I knew I'm like, oh, my God. And we can talk about this later. I'm like, there are people who would say to me, you should not be like diving into this pool. But all I knew is that my friend Jordan was suffering and I wanted to help. And well, when you would hashtag not a therapist me, it would give me hope because I've done <laughs> the I, I, I did years with therapists and multitudes of medications and being drugged up and you're not healing anything. You're putting a Band-Aid on the wounds. You oh. know, you're addressing the symptoms. So no matter where you're at, you know, sure, you can take meds and zombie out, but you're going to be carrying all that shit in you. It's energy until you release it, until you dig into it. And with you is the first time I've actually dived into my trauma and my parts and started to heal rather than just sedate. You know, it's a big difference. It's a huge fucking difference. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. And uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, man. I mean, you know, one of the things that I was basically saying in the email, I said my work and how I approach things is not conventional. It's thank wicked. God. It's wicked creative. And I said it, you know, it brings together the spiritual and the science, the sacred and the subconscious, the seen and the unseen. So I said it's both internally intuitive, and it's backed by external evidence. So I will say this: I had to be 
and continue to be right like wicked creative in working with you like you kept me you yeah. keep me on my toes like because i always have to think like right i think it's fair to say this and you can probably relate when you have a client who might be and i'm not saying this about you but just trying to make an example if you have a client who maybe has a particular condition or is unmotivated in a particular way and you're like okay how can i get them excited about this program or how can i talk to them in a language where they're going to hear me or we can feel each other or whatever so working with you i had to i had to like all the different stops like all the different parts of me like i'm like okay so there are times when like i like really like tough loved you we can talk about that there are times when like and that's a good thing about not being a therapist is i can swear and i can i can be tough and i can like talk to you like the, you know, the mass hole that I am sometimes and I can be really tender. So I have a lot more um, freedom to approach how to uh, try and be helpful. When you're, you know, a therapist, I think you're kind of sometimes limited because you're governed by whether it's professional standards and not that I don't try to be, you know, help in a professional way, but I have a little more leeway. You do. And the thing I appreciate about you being very data driven myself is each time you would give me an exercise or spiritual practice or whatever we want to call it, you would also give me the hard data, you know, the quantifiable data to show, hey, this is why you're breathing this way and soothing your vagus nerves. Here's how it actually works. Here's how the somatic stuff works. Here's what it does to your nervous system. You would provide me with charts and graphs and actual published studies where I'm like, oh, Okay, so even because a lot of times things can sound fucking hocus pocus, if you, <laughs> you, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm I all do. down. I'm all about the law of attraction. So, you know, I'm about hocus pocus. But the fact that you would take it and iterate it to me in a very technical way where you're like, look at this. This is the science. Cool. Then I'd be like, very cool. Okay, this makes this makes sense. Then I would be able to grasp onto it and really buy into it because I'm like, it's not just. Obviously, I trust you implicitly or I wouldn't be doing this work with you. But the fact that you take it a step further because you know me and you know my brain, you're like, hey, buddy, here's the proof. I'm like. <laughs> well, what if I'm going to be asking you to be tapping on your forehead and tapping on your face and pumping, like thumping your chest and doing all this weird shit somatically? I'm like, OK, I know who I'm dealing with. That's what I kept saying. Look, I know who I'm dealing with. Yeah. I'm going to have to back this up with some fucking bro science or we're going to have a time like choking this one yeah. down, right? So, yeah. So, all right. We're going to get into that. So, just thank you. are just making me laugh so hard. Just thank you for being you. All right. So, you guys, I want to just read um, Jordan's testimonial. And I want to be clear. I mean, Jordan said to me like, hey, look, you know, he loves me and he wants, obviously he wants, he wants to help my business, but that's not why he wrote this. I mean, it was, I, I, and I appreciate that honesty. He really wrote this. Why I said this in the beginning is because if there's anybody else out there who's suffering, um, he, he wants them to know that there's a different way. So I read this humbly and I, and I read it, uh, uh, with great honor that he took the time to, to share his story of our work together so far. Okay, so this is me now reading uh, Jordan's uh, testimonial. And this is kind of, I also have to be uh, transparent. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little weird for me to read things about myself out loud. So uh, this is a little straight. So we're both feeling a little vulnerable and weird right now. Just Yeah, so I, I appreciate you doing that because I, I didn't want to read it verbatim on here because I would, I would not, you know, just a little weird. 
A little weird, right? So it's a little weird for me to read <laughs> read you talking about me as well, but I'm going to do it. I got this. Spiritual team on the job, S-T-O-T-J. Okay, so this is me <clears throat> reading Jordan. He says, I want to share this with everyone because of the impact Karen has had in my life. I'm not always comfortable talking about mental health or my past, but because of what I was able to achieve working with her in terms of freedom and quality of life, I need other people to know what's possible. I couldn't imagine continuing to live how I was, and I don't like the idea of anyone else having to either. Without diving in, I've had a very rough life to say the least, and because of this, I've had mental and emotional issues the majority of my life. Just to give you a small example, I've watched the majority of my immediate family die from cancer and drug overdoses. And on top of that, I'm a victim of extreme violence myself, having been stabbed six times and suffocated literally to death. There's a laundry list of trauma I could lay out for you. As such, throughout my life, I was diagnosed ADD, ADHD, depressed, anxiety-ridden, and the final prognosis from multiple psychiatrists was BPD, borderline personality disorder. In the world of mental health, that's almost like a death sentence. I literally couldn't get life insurance because of this. Throughout my life, I've made multiple suicide attempts. And for the majority of my adult life, suicide was always on my mind. I dreaded what the day would hold and never looked forward to what was to come. On the surface, I seemed fit, successful, and driven. But inside, I was constantly in a state of fight or flight and frozen and a past full of unhealed trauma, which bled into every area of my life. I'm 36 years old and had been in therapy for years upon years. I've taken a multitude of medications and at times there would be short reprieves from the constant living on edge, but nothing worked consistently. It was more so just putting a Band-Aid on a wound rather than healing it. And then came Karen, who I will, no, it's making me emotional. And then came Karen, who I will be forever grateful for in the deepest reaches of my heart and soul. I've worked with her for seven months now, and I can tell you that within the first couple of months, the changes in my life were dramatic. I went from feeling lost and without direction to mapping out my days, keeping a schedule, and even using a calendar to notate my victories. I no longer dread waking up in the mornings, but rather look forward to each day, curious about what's to come. I still have a lot of healing to do, and I do have moments where I feel and think things which would usually send me into a downward spiral. But Karen taught me the tools to refocus, to take control, and to be present. What used to be a bad day, which would turn into a bad week, is literally a bad moment now, and it passes. I didn't think this would be possible. I'm now able to take a step back and be the observer of my thoughts and emotions and choose what I want to hold on to, choose what I want to let go of, rather than being controlled by it. I could go on and on, but I'll just say this. Because of Karen and our work together, I have a new lease on life. 
I've spent the majority of my adult life surviving. And for the first time since I can remember, I feel like I'm actually living life. I know this might sound dark, but suicide would run through my mind in some way, shape, or form every day. And now I couldn't even imagine the thought of it. I want to stick around as long as possible to love my daughters, love life, and most of all, continue learning to love myself. If you need help and you are genuinely sick and tired of being sick and tired, take the leap and reach out to her. I'm saying this as a person who has suffered and lost so much for the majority of my life. And my wish for you reading this is to not have to continue to go through whatever it is you're going through because there is another way. With love, sincerity, and gratitude, Jordan. It's so incredibly yeah. moving. It's so incredibly moving. Just yeah, saying don't this. Yeah. Yeah, don't don't do that because I'm gonna cry and you know I have these fucking paper towels and I'm gonna like sandpaper my eyes, but I always uh, Oh my god, you guys, I always yeah. yell at Jordan because he doesn't use tissues to wipe his eyes. He uses these rough paper towels and he like scrapes them across his eyes and I'm always cringing when i watch him do it <laughs> hold on it's just, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. i'm good it's just it's important because a lot of people you know have a certain vision of success and they assume like you know i'm taking care of the animals i'm taking care of my clients i'm taking care of my daughters and on the surface you know people like you know he's fit he eats right he has these great routines he's doing this and that meanwhile inside like I i'm literally ready to jump out of a moving car like you know, I have to hold it together for my kids and for my friends and for this and that. And, you know, internally, it's just, it's just, it's just hell on earth, man. It's hell, it's hell on earth. And we both know people are living like that every day and that's just life, right? That's the answer. This is life. This is how it is, but that that's not how it is. That's how it's been for you. It doesn't have to be that way. Remember so, you, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. It's just, it's just interesting. You learn that you can't measure success monetarily or by business success or your physique or your fitness or anything, you know, true health and wealth. It, it starts with your mind and heart. Like Mental health, physical health. So many of these things are like so important. And what we're seeing on social media is like a snapshot, right? It's like this performative kind of like a little, a little moment in time. And it can be highly curated. People can come across however they want to come across. And you occasionally do some posts about mental health, your mental health. And whenever you do, I know I can see, I mean, you can tell me if you want to back it up, but I'm like, those are always sometimes your highest performing posts because you're being real and you're letting people see your struggles and you're letting them see your humanity and your heart. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're, they're received really well, you know, it's like you see me busting my ass in the gym, moving crazy amounts of weight, right? What you don't see is the hour drive home from my powerlifting gym when I'm alone and lonely and dealing with everything that I've gone through my entire life that I've never dealt with, you know, sitting there and because of the work we're doing together, having things arise like, man, you know, the last conversation I had with my mom, the last few, I told her that I hated her and I wouldn't call her mom. I would call her Lori. 
Like I didn't have, you know, and that's what I, I tell my friends that have shaky relationships with their parents. I'm like, dude, be careful that this could be the last conversation you have with your mother. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I do know you and I both know that life can change in an instant and people you love can be gone. And so, but, but one of the things that I noticed and we touched upon this earlier, and this is how I know the work is working, right? So is you used to talk about your mother in this very kind of um, disassociative and kind of like removed place. Like I, I, I'm just being honest, right. And we've talked about this in the beginning, there was this, um, I, I don't want to, I'm not here to path, path, pathologize you. So, but I could tell that there was some stuff there. And yeah. recently you left me a message and you mentioned your mother and you talked about her with so much compassion. And I said, Jordan, yeah. we need to stop and celebrate this. This is a victory because y y y there's a shift that has happened in the way that you're now perceiving her. Do you, do you feel comfortable sharing that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, right? My my vision of my mom was just this fucked up drug addict, shitty mom, terrible woman. How, how are you going to let me go through, like, how are you going to let me go through? I mean, I remember being in dope houses with her. I had a bad cat allergy. I remember sitting in some drug house, literally with my throat closing, my eyes swelled shut for hours, struggling to breathe on the couch, not able to see, just sitting there until my mom was done shooting heroin and doing what she was doing to then drive us home. You know, like, just, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I don't, I didn't have good memories of her, you know, and for the first time I'm able to view her not as this drug addict piece of shit mom, right. But as this woman with her own life and her own journey and her own struggles and, you know, people who don't understand addiction, it's, it's, it's not like you're like, eh, well, I'm addicted to heroin. It's all good. Like it's a fight for her every day. It's a fight for her every fucking day. And, um, I guess as we did more of this work, I was able to recognize her humanity and her struggle struggle, and see her as a human being rather than this conceptualized image of a mother that I had. Um, you know, over the last one to two years is the first time I've ever thought about her laughing or smiling, ever, ever. So I'm what, I'll be 37 this year and she died when I was 17. So that's what, 20 over 20 years without seeing her in a positive light or thinking about how she would smile or how she would laugh or the way that she made the most amazing meals. You know what I mean? I, I, I didn't remember any of that, you know? Um, so it, it's been very interesting and like healing to be able to see her humanity and view her in a different light, you know, seeing her for the troubled woman she was rather than again, just this image I have of her based on my life circumstances. Yeah. And when we allow that, uh, when we can extend that kind of grace and that kind of mercy and that kind of, and look, everybody gets to decide what, uh, like, how do I say this? I'm not saying like, Hey, everybody out there, you should all, you know, see your, your, the people who harmed you is like, whatever. I'm not saying that, but I just do know that it was powerful. It's almost like a thawing process where you were just kind of like, because when we're, who else, this is the point I'm trying to make, looking at her through that lens, right? And and seeing her in that way. Who else did you view very kind of intensely and harshly? Myself. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. No matter what I would be doing in terms of business or the gym, there was just a part of me that I hated. I just always felt like a monster, like I wasn't doing good enough. Like, um, I, yeah, I, I had a very very skewed perception of myself for a very long time. 
Yeah, I remember you saying, um, and in, if you're not comfortable with me sharing this, we can always edit it out, but it's not, it, uh, but I remember you saying to me one time, I feel like I'm a monster pretending to be a nice guy. And do you remember what I said to you? Yeah, you said you're a nice guy pretending to be a monster. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like that, your defense mechanism, like kids, you know, when you come up with that much stuff, and again, I'm, I'm not here to psychoanalyze you or pathologize you, hashtag not a therapist, not a therapist, but, not a therapist, but um, I could recognize, I, I, I can recognize through talking with you that one of your pots, this little kid inside of you who is so incredibly sweet, right? Like I see that goofy, sweet, innocent, caring pot of you. Uh, you, you don't become a vegan and love the animals without having compassion in yourself and your heart and your mind and your body, you know? So it's just been this incredible journey, you know, kind of watching you. And I'm looking, if you're, if you're not watching this, if you are listening to this, you can't see behind Jordan. It's so great. He has all these little pictures of him. He, he's a girl dad. So he has two little girls. They're not so little, well, 12 and eight, 12 and seven. Yeah. Oh, right. 12 eight, and eight. Yeah. <laughs> so I always hear about their adventures and like what they're up to. And I see the pictures of you being a goofy dad. I see the pictures of you doing like those thumbs up things and like, you know, trying to embarrass them and whatever. If you also can't see behind Jordan, he has this big ass wall calendar. And I remember I sent that to you when we first started yeah. working together. Right. Because I'm like, look, we're going to start tracking your good days. We're going to start tracking your bad days. We're going to start tracking your DSP, your daily spiritual practice. We're going to start writing because you're bad. You told me in the beginning, I have all this trauma. I can't, you know, well, you didn't, I don't know if you made the connection, but you just said, I don't remember dates. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's not, that's not uncommon for people with trauma. So I was like, first thing we're going to do, we're going to put your girls. I mean, you remember your girls' birthdays, but I'm like, we're going to put some dates on that calendar, but we're also going to use it to kind of track right? Like what things have been going on. So if you can see in the background, I sent him that because I'm, I'm annoying. I'm like, yeah, we're not, we're, we're not going to, I'm like, because I'm always trying to think a couple of steps ahead of like, how can we put the kibosh on some bullshit excuse? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I don't know. Like, so I'm like, oh, let's give him something concrete that you can see. And I remember you like, you went over there, you, I'm like, get some thumbtacks and I would be a pain in the ass. I'd be like, did you stop at the store and get the thumbtacks yet? Right. With the apple cider vinegar, yeah, like certain absolutely. things where I'm kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. Right. Like working with yeah. me is not always way. fun. It's not always fun. Correct. Yeah. And it's, it's not supposed to be breaking <laughs> habits, break, breaking, breaking shitty habits is hard. It's very hard. And starting new habits is even harder. Right. But that's the hardest part. Right. That's what I've learned is just just like fitness, just getting started. Put in the work. Just do it. Just do it. And now you know, waking up and doing my DSP or like the daily spiritual practice every day and starting my day with intention and connection is non-negotiable, right? It, it's, and I didn't know what that meant prior. I mean, obviously with the gym I did, come hell or high water, I'm going to the gym. I don't give a fuck if it's thunder, lightning and the apocalypse just hit and I have to like move, move, move like demons aside to get into the gym, right? But meanwhile, I'm not applying that discipline to other areas of my life. And that's when you showed me like, hey man, you got it. You're doing it. Now you just got to take that and like direct that ray of like light here in the morning for this practice. So it's, it's very interesting how you pick and choose what your, what your disciplines are. But yeah, it's, the calendar has been great. It's been a great way to measure victories. And it's also a whether whether it's your right mental health journey or your fitness journey, right, to give yourself credit and mark those fucking checks off on the calendar and see what you've accomplished. Because if you're anything like me, 
where like most people are, you don't give yourself credit. You don't feel good enough. But like, listen, when you have evidence, like we talked about, you don't have to run on belief. I don't have to believe shit about what I've accomplished because I have the evidence there in front of me when I wake up in the morning, you know? I do know. And that's why I would say to you like, hey, let's do that. The, the, the evening daily spiritual practice too of like tracking like your day, like, like, hey, let's do a little recap. Like what was a win today? Because it's so easy when you're in a journey of, coming back to love and coming back home to yourself and feeling safety in your body and your nervous system. And like, you know, this is a multifaceted thing when I'm working with you. It's not like a lot of coaches, it's like, well, we're going to work on this one thing. And with you, I was like, okay, we get a lot going on here. And I would be like, okay, how can, so I would play off your strengths. I would be like, so dude, you, you can get to the gym in an apocalypse, but you can't wake up in the morning intentionally and sit down and do a little meditation. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? So I would try to like, try to like grab those strengths and just show you, like shine that light of like how we can take what you already do naturally well. And uh, basically like, you know, you've also been excellent. I want to say this for people listening. Um, You actually wanted to change. I'm not saying it's easy, right? Or that every day you were like, yeah, I'm psyched about this. But some part of you was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. So you were willing to be a little weird with me. Remember I'd say to you, you, you ready to get a little weird? You yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. God, what are we doing now? Yeah. You know, the biggest difference is, you know, throughout, you know, my career and everything else I've done, like doing a morning routine would be hit or miss. It'd be spotty. It's like, I feel good today. I'm going to do it. Feel, oh, it's a bad day. I feel like shit. Not going to do it. You know what I mean? I'm depressed. I'm this, I'm that. And then you kind of realize like, doesn't matter how you feel your practices and habits are your practices and your habits and you do them and on the shitty days are the days where it's most important the days where you feel compelled not to do it you know sometimes I wonder man like how I got through the last like 10 years of my life you know because I I was I was I was a victim to my emotional state right And, and and it's just wild like and again, like you said, I don't care if I'm having a good day or a bad day, I'm going to the gym. Well, it has to be that way for every uh, every other one of your practices, right? You have a business to run. Okay, you feel like shit. Well, there's people depending on you. There's people that paid you to provide a service and to help them, and you can't take that obligation lightly. You know, that that's one of the reasons I guess I was a little apprehensive at first is, you know, I helped so many people, you know, I didn't want them viewing me in a different light, right? But- like the fact that the matter is like, hey, I am going through this and I have gone through this and I'm still able to help you. I'm still able to do this. Just like wherever you're at, you're able to do what you want to do while you're going through it, you know, because mm-hmm. we're fucking humans and this is life. And there's never going to be a time where you're not going through it. When people ever. aren't peopling and life isn't lifing yeah, because life it's a life. non it's nonstop. And that's why it's interesting when. When I think about this work, you know, I had a membership for like three years and people would be like, it's just ongoing. And I'm like, yeah, you know why? Because this being human is a fucking ongoing problem. It's not like all of a sudden it just all gets easier. Now, the way we respond to things, we might have more tools in our toolkit. We might have more like this is what the whole DSP is about in the morning is installing those internal stabilizers so that when life is getting rough out there, you you are like, right? Like you're like you've got the assignment is alignment, like you're aligned spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. That's what this work is about. So you're not getting tossed around by what's happening out there because 
life is going to keep happening. It's not like, oh, I'm doing all this spiritual work and oh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on, you know, I'm using neuroscience tools and I'm, I'm learning tapping and pranayama and breath work and bilateral, like all these tools, right? And everything just stops being hard. It's like, no, now I'm prepared. I'm starting to feel a little more safety in my body. I'm starting to feel a little more safe in my nervous system. So I don't get rocked so much. But we got to remember, I would say to you, like we, we would kind of poke fun. So you guys, if, if you saw the size of Jordan's muscles, you'll know why this is funny. But I would say to him, so Jordan, you can physically go into the gym and you can squat. If you ever see Jordan doing a lifting video, our joke is he does these videos and I always write to him and I'm like, you look like you're about to bust a gasket because he's like, like, he's like squatting ridiculous. Amount. Like, I don't know. What did you squat the other day? It's ridiculous. Um, it, was, it was like 505. And, yeah, like and it's just ridiculous. I just squatted like when you five. Say that, I don't think it's a lot of weight, right? Because I'm in the world of powerlifting and I'm like, no, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. Oh my God, 505 pounds just makes me laugh. But I'll be like, dude, you might be lifting 505 in the gym, but over here in nervous system safety land and spiritual land, you know, those little pink, pink and purple weights, the, the neoprene one covered ones, like that's yeah. what we're doing. I'm like, we got to start somewhere, right? We'd always laugh about this. Because a lot of times I don't think people, I think people who are smart enough to know that's why they get nervous about doing this work. Cause they know, okay, this is going to be some heavy lifting. Like yeah, this is going to require me to like show up on the daily and like do the work and it will be uncomfortable sometimes. It's one of the hardest things I've done. And I, like I said, I've, I've, I've gone through it, been locked up. It's that all, all this shit I've gone. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. Like the, the hard. Can you tell me why you think it's hard? Like, what about it? Uh, is there a way to verbalize that? Like, what do you find hard about it? I've never dealt with any of my trauma. Um, for me, it was one of those things like, okay, bud, you know, everyone died. Cool. That's life. I used to joke around with people. Have you seen the Lion King? Circle of life, it happens, no big fucking deal. Well, I'm going home one day too, so whatever, whatever. Yeah, I got stabbed, okay. People die every day, Jordan, no big deal. Like I remember when I got stabbed and I got out of the hospital, I called my grandfather and he's like, yeah, just don't tell your grandma. And I'm like, damn motherfucker, I just literally died. <laughs> like, okay, cool, you know? So dealing with these things and, and it, it's hard to deal with hurt. And it, it, it's hard. It, it's hard to navigate that. So when I say it's the hardest thing I've ever done, it's hard for me to talk about my mom. It's hard for me to talk about borderline personality disorder. Um, the suicide rate is so high. You know, I couldn't even get life insurance. I had um, an expert shop around at every place. I couldn't even get life insurance, you know, and. So can we talk about that? Can we talk about what it felt like? Because I've heard people say these kind of diagnoses, right? ADD, ADHD, depression, depression, clinical depression or depression, um, anxiety disorders or highly anxious, um, BPD, like all these things that you have been labeled. Now, I've heard some people say when you feel like all the different ways that you can feel. And I know this is really true for medical, especially like, um, you know, if you have a mystery illness, right? And then finally you get a diagnosis, some people feel relieved. Did you feel empowered or did you feel like relief or did you feel what I don't want to, what did you feel when you got these diagnoses or labels or whatever put on you? 
I felt relief at first because we knew what we were looking at and potentially how to tackle it, right? Like with borderline personality disorder, there's um, DBT or dialectical behavior therapy and various things. And then once I started calling various therapists and they wouldn't even see me or treat me or the therapist, the receptionist, literally I've gotten calls like, oh, oh boy, yeah, we, we don't do that here. That's going to be a tough one. And I'm thinking to myself, how fucking dare you? Like, you're literally like, 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 do you know what I mean? Like, it's like you're calling for help and they're basically like laughing about the fact that they won't even quote unquote yeah. touch you. Yeah, like, like what, what kind of fucking hope sucker is that? No. So it became more of uh, a death sentence, you know, and then, you know, trying to, and then the medications and then trying to get life insurance. And then it, yeah, it, it was, it was tough, especially when you, uh, relationships are so hard. And it's hard because I'm such a loving and kind person and I just want connection. And, you know, whatever BPD entails makes it really hard to be in relationships with people. Um, very hard. So um, do, do you, that, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Yeah, no. Do you, so, but do you think that label, like, and that's what it is, right? People are saying like you, so basically I'm assuming they look at this and they say, well, you have this symptom or this behavior or this symptom in yes. this history. And then they kind of look at that and they go, blunk, we're going to throw you in this box. Yeah. And one of the things that I found though, it seems again, hashtag not a therapist, but it seems that that diagnosis then can either also for, like you said, for some people, it's like a relief. I kind of understand myself better, but for a lot of people, it feels like now I have an excuse to behave the way that I want to behave, or it feels like a trap. Like I can't behave any other way because I have this thing. So I have it no becomes a, it Yeah. It becomes a part of your identity, which it never should be. It, it became a part of my identity. You know, yeah, I have BPD. Like, like saying like, you know, I'm a vegan. I have borderline personality disorder, you know, and you kind of, um, yeah, you just, you just feel a little bit hopeless and it becomes a part of your identity. And it's like, no, no, I'm just fucked up. This is just, this is just how it goes. Like it, it's, it's normal for me to be sitting in traffic, thinking about suicide, contemplating, you know, hanging myself, right? Like, no, this is just normal. And that's a part of it for, for the uninitiated, right? Because I know that I had to, to go and study and learn. I've asked you a ton of questions about it for people yeah. who might not know a lot about it. Like, how does that, how does, how do your traumas or how do these, um, oh, well, this is what BPD is. Like, how does it show up in your life? Like in your relationship, in your business, in being a dad, like, like you just said, like in, randomly, like you're sitting in traffic and most people are like, oh, I got to go food shopping. Oh, my daughter's thing is at this time. And you're sitting there having a totally different experience. So how does it, how does it kind of show up in your relationships or in your life? Um, you know, relationships are the toughest because BPD, one of the biggest symptoms is abandonment issues. And it tends to be from your home and family life. So the people that were supposed to love for me, love me and care for me um, were the people who hurt me the most. So that's my sense of connection is, hey, I love you. You love me. So I'm expecting to get hurt and I'm expecting you to leave me. So no matter you must what. be on high alert all the time then. The slightest. I lived, I lived in flight, fight or flight always. And I had, mm. you know, very, very rocky relationships because of that, you know, and 
there were people in my life, whether we were supposed to be together long-term or not, that I did genuinely love and care for deeply. And unfortunately, it just doesn't, it just doesn't translate that way when you view the person you love as for sure, this person is going to hurt me at some point. So I'm just sitting here playing the waiting game. It's going to happen rather than being present for the relationship and let it evolve organically, however it may or may not. I'm already waiting for the day that they disappear. The hurt is coming because it's coming. I've lost everybody. Yes. You know, like. I do know. You, you know, I never valued family. I didn't give a fuck about family. My family were my friends. That's it. That was my family. I didn't, you know, and then I had You mean my growing up. You mean growing up. Grow, grow, growing yeah. up. Yeah. Now my, my daughters are my family. They're my world. Um, Mark, you know, my best friends, Marco and Brandon, you, the people at my powerlifting gym at Gorilla Bench. I now have a sense of community and family and I'm okay being vulnerable and I'm not waiting for the other shoe to drop. And for people to fuck me over or hurt me, like it's like, it's okay to be genuine and to love and connect. And if something happens, something happens. I'm not going to sit here and wait for it. The difference was I would always be waiting. I would never be present in a relationship. I'd always be waiting. Future casting, right. Time traveling and just waiting for the, for the, for the time to come. Like, Oh, here it is. I knew it. Right. Like I knew you're already predicting an outcome. But that was my only experience with, sure. with people close to me. That, that was the only that was the only thing I knew, it, it, you know. So and again, and, and you look back and even on relationships, you realize some were meant to fade, you know, a reason in a season for everything. But it, it's just very interesting looking back. You can see how what your deal or I should say for me personally, how the BPD specifically affected that. And it's interesting when you do you love someone, you put them with BPD very common on a pedestal, like yes. you view them as. God or goddess, and they are just everything. So the minute anything falls short of that, you're just you tear, like, you tear them down. Yeah. 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 yeah it's fast. It, it's fascinating. And it also, I can imagine how challenging that must be. Not, not just for you, but also for, you know, cause you're highly self, you are highly self-aware, right? So it's not just challenging for you. It can also, I'm imagine be challenging for the people who, who do love you. It was a difficult thing because I'm very loving and I want to receive love, but because of what I dealt with, I had someone tell me one time, um, she was just like, you're very, she's, you're very hard. You're hard to love. You, you make it hard, you know, because I push people away. Yes. I was going to say, not because you're not lovable. It's because you don't let yourself, you haven't in the past, let yourself receive it. 100%. It's, you know, it's something we all crave as humans, but if you don't know, just like a conversation, there's an art to conversation to actually being present and conscious and listening. You know, there's a way to go about all things, you know? So yeah, I, I made it very hard for me to love because I wasn't very receptive of it because no matter who it was or what it was, a big part of me just didn't buy into it. You don't trust I'm just like, I'm like, literally my mindset was this. And I would tell people this going into relationships. I'm like, listen, you're born and you die. Everything in between is temporary. Jobs, friendships, relationships. That's just how it goes. And that's it. And that would be the foundation that we would build upon is everything's ethereal. And, and, and I get it in a relationship. You shouldn't look for permanence. You should look for presence and let that grow from there. But 
you know, you're kind of doomed before you fail when you're already, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, let's enjoy this because it's going to fucking end and you're going to leave. <laughs> so let's, let's rock and roll here, sweetheart. Like, you know, I know you're going to, I know. Because, because again, it's how I viewed myself too. I put so much right. pedestal and I viewed myself as very unworthy of love and as this fucking monster. And, and I say monster because growing up, you know, my brother was the troubled child and I was supposed to be the good one. I was supposed to be like the, the good child. And there I was fucking selling drugs, getting into fights, going to jail. Um, you know, I I've had, like crazy. Like I told I've had guns pulled on me and I just look at them and like, I wish you fucking would. I wish you motherfucking would, bro. Like I've, I've been in such hairy situations like that, that to me at the time weren't hairy. It's like a part of you just wishes like fucking follow through, you know, like. So how do you, how do you think you're different now after, after like, cause I want to, I want to kind of get into the nuances and the difference between like you were in therapy for a long time. You said like 10 years. And then you said you were sometimes um, prescribed copious amounts of like drugs for all the different things, right? Uh, pharmaceuticals, right? To whatever. I, I had one psychiatrist prescribe me something, right? That I took for months and I just felt off. And then I went to another psychiatrist and literally what she said was verbatim, holy shit, your kidneys could shut down. This is supposed to be a time release. They're giving you 200 milligrams of this all at once. I'm like, yeah, every day. She's like, oh my God. Like, you know, just the various things. I've, I've tried it all. I've done it all, <laughs> you know? like So, yeah. So when we started to work together and I was like, Jordan, look, I'm hashtag not a therapist. And you were like, you, you said some pretty strongly worded things to me because I was like, look, the stuff that I do is a combination of like spiritual mentoring. And you and I haven't really done a lot of hypnosis and there's a reason for that, right? But I have taught you about... um when you were having like a lifting competition to do like a mental rehearsal, to do a mind movie, like we've done that, like that. And that is a kind of a trance like thing, but it's self, like you do it, you know, self-directed neuroplasticity, you do it yourself. I've never put you in a trance or anything like that, but we pulled all these different tools in. And that's why I just said to you, I remember I would say to you, do you accept the challenge? And you'd be like, yes. And I'd be like, right, you ready to get weird? And you'd be like, yes. So I was just pulling in all these different things, spiritual, mental, neuroplasticity. We were watching different videos like podcasts, books. And so I was trying to curate all these resources because I was trying to talk to the different parts of you, right? So, but you've said when I would say to you, like, not a therapist. And when I said to you, like, oh, God, I could just see this podcast that we're doing right now coming out. And some therapist somewhere saying like she had no business trying to help this kid or whatever. And you had some very strong, like you left me a boxer and you were like, you know what? And you're like, I did da 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 da. So will you talk about like maybe what you didn't find so helpful in those traditional ways and versus maybe like why why do you think this work worked better i'm not saying we you know like we still have this work to do hello me too i have my own work to do we all do yeah. but can you share a little bit about um your thoughts on as you call it the theories of psychology do you know what i'm saying so yeah like we talked about any any professional in the psychiatric field who who you know is adverse to what you're doing can suck it in a bucket right like whatever <laughs> like i you know like there, there's a reason that you know, so many people are in therapy and they're, they're standing still, you know, you go in there and vent about the day, but you're not, you're not touching on the issues. So 
I think one of the biggest differences here is it's not textbook like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yes, 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 you're, you have BPD. Okay, here's what we're going to, it's, it, it's hard for me to explain because I'm not a professional in the field, right? But we're actually touching on traumas and different parts of myself and how to heal those things and exercises and tools to use in those moments where you are in fight or flight. How do you ground your nervous system and come back to the present moment so you can think more clearly and mm. feel more clearly? So I've always been a great thinker, right? Very analytical. Yes. Yes. And, and that was the issue is you can't think your way out of emotional problems, right? Thank you can only you, feel. Yes. Yeah. You, you have to feel your way out of them thematically. And that's one of the things you taught me was with my body, how to go from my heart racing and feeling like I'm like ready to put skin. my fist through a fucking wall and my, yeah, my skin to being able to take three minutes, maybe just literally three minutes to get to a place where I can sit, breathe, whether it's, you know, by calming my vagus nerve through breathing, beating on my chest, bilateral stimulation, right? For, to get my brain, whatever it may be, these things work, right? So you take more than a intellectual approach. You take what I've learned is a somatic approach, right? We dive into the body where emotions are stored. Um, I, I kind of learned that these emotions are trapped in my body from all of the trauma that I went through. And it's, how do I say it? I don't, I don't want people to get the wrong thing, the idea. Feelings, they're a lie. How you feel is not always true. You might feel a certain way right now because of something you went through, but you're not going through it right now. You're not that six, seven, eight-year-old boy or girl. You're not dealing with that now, but that trauma and that pain is still inside you. So something may trigger that. So how you feel right now is not congruent with your circumstances or the life you're living. Therefore, your response is not appropriate. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, for example, mm -hmm. when I, after I got stabbed, I was hypervigilant. I carried a weapon around me at all times, always kept a knife on me. I don't anymore. I, I mean, I'm still vigilant to a degree, but when I hear someone knock on my front door now, I don't automatically perk up and turn into commando with a knife literally in my, it's, it's, it's not a joke. I would answer no. the door with a blade in my hand, with my hand behind my back, ready to put it in someone's fucking throat. Like not, not, not. I was off the fucking wall, bro. Like I was ready. I was always ready to be attacked. And, and you know me, I'm, I'm vegan. I'm loving. I'm not a violent person. But when you're in fight or flight. And feel threatened. I'm, I'm, trying, to I'm trying to survive. Sure. You know, I, I, you know, yeah, get worked up thinking about it. People don't understand violence. People, people see numbers and statistics. They don't know what it's like to have, like, I don't want to, Ooh, right. Going off on a, a tangent here, I feel like. But basically, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I've been able to be the observer of my emotions and feelings and not get carried away with them. You know? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, that, that might be a, a rudimentary answer. Right. But that's that that's that's really what it's like. I'm able to have a circumstance trigger something that would elicit an elevated heart rate and trauma response to where I'm actually able to breathe it out and be like, everything's okay. You're safe. You're fine. Like, yeah, this is, this is not the time to fucking, you know, gear up and iron up and get ready for battle. <laughs> well, right, you know? right. For sure. And like, you know, we, we would have, I mean, we were in touch quite a bit, you know, and we still are to this day. 
And, you know, so, I mean, it is, it's just a different approach. And also the other things that therapy doesn't bring is they don't bring in the spiritual aspect of it. And that's one. Not to interrupt you. No, go ahead. The one thing you bring to the table, again, we've touched on it multiple times, is humanity. You care about people. I know you genuinely care about my, my well-being and my safety and my happiness. My happiness is not your responsibility, right? But you care about these things. And when you know someone has a vested interest in you having the best quality of life simply for the sake of helping you, it makes a big difference when I know you're not, you know, I'm, I'm not just a fucking name on your calendar and a number in your paycheck. You know what I mean? I do know. And, I do care about you. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just amazing. You know, people spend, you know, one to $200 on a weekend going out for dinner and drinks. Right. But they won't spend that money on a therapist or a, or a, or a mentor, a spiritual healer or teacher for that week or a coach, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just wild. And, and I'll be honest, you know, I work very hard for my money. So I understand the value of coaching, right? So well, that, you're a that, coach. That, you want you're a yeah. coach. You get it <laughs> exactly. And and I, I've also been following you for years, so I know the quality of your work and the effect it's had in people's lives. Because when you hear people that you've worked with and that follow you, and they comment on your post, you can hear the reverence by which they refer to you, right? It, it's just it's 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 different man it's 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 fucking it's different right and i feel like if more people in the mental health space would take your approach right we'd have a much better society you know people caring is cool (laughs) you know it's nice people caring is cool and that's the thing is there's a certain level i think of and i get it right there's a certain level of distance that has to be between when you're doing something where you're um professionally like regulated and there's rules and there's insurance and there's all that stuff. I don't, I don't do any of that. And like I said, like I have the freedom to come at it, like all my pots, like how we talk about internal family systems and these internal pots of ourselves, all my pots are welcome here. Just like all your pots are welcome here. So I'll draw, I will pull from being a yoga teacher for over 20 years. I'll pull from being a spiritual mentor. I'll pull from, you know, being a, a integrative change worker. I'll pull from being a hypnotist. I'll pull from being a writing instructor. Like whatever tool I think I need in that moment to be helpful, I'm going to bring it. And I'll just say, so what do you think? Are you willing to try this weird thing? Remember the day when I was like, I, what, I, I got you leaving a po- I hope this doesn't matter about the conditioner. Can I <laughs> remember? I was like, so you have these glorious locks of hair, right? And I, and you were like, oh, I said, when's the last time you conditioned your hair? You're like, oh, and I was like, Jordan, right now, get a post-it note and you're going to stop. I'm like, go stick it in your shower right now. Like well, you I literally to- have a yellow post-it note that says condition your hair on my shower door and I condition my fucking hair, you know, and as a guy, I never had anyone teach me that I needed to fucking condition my hair. I just, you know, it's hair, you just, you know, you wash it and you put it in a bun, like whatever, you know? Like- right. And then I was like, Jordan, don't be putting your ha- wet hair in a bun. Your hair's going to snap. Right. So what I'm trying to say is like your therapist is probably not going to get that granular with you. Right. But I, I was also looking at it as simple as this sounds, dear listeners. I'm like, that's an act of self-love. Like you taking the time to condition your hair. And I asked you the next day, how does your hair feel? And you're like, it was silky. It was glorious. And we were laughing. And I was like, yeah, doesn't that feel nice? Because it's literally like one of the things that I can say from my own personal experience, having my mother killed when I was 12, while I was still in love with her, 
right? I was still in that googly, like, oh my God, she is the sun to my universe space, right? I couldn't imagine, man, especially because you did have that kind of relationship with her. I, I don't, I couldn't even imagine what that feels like. Yeah, it was brutal. I'll be honest, I can't. It's very different than what I experienced. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I can't. I'm sorry. God, I didn't mean it. No, 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 I, I don't. You as a 12 year old girl, head over heels for your mother at 12 years old, because I see the way my 12 year old is, right? Like, yeah. So yeah. It's okay. Couldn't imagine. Ugh. Yeah, it was really tough. And, <sighs> but one of the things happened because I was growing up in such a tough environment and it was very suck it up and stuff it down and fucking deal with it. People die and fucking deal with it or whatever. Um, and the brutality, the brutality of her death. Um, I didn't get enough tenderness in my childhood. I didn't get enough compassion and grace and tenderness. And I was a highly sensitive kid. Always. Like, always. Doesn't mean I acted that way because I had to tough act, right? Because it fucking dukes up because I had to survive. I was a highly sensitive kid. And my mother knew this. She knew my sensitivity. So when that one person who bears witness to you sees you, gets you, understands you, is gone. And the reason why I'm telling you this is that's one of my superpowers now is that I try to do that for other people. And you were a kid who did not get enough tenderness. You were a kid who was not taught how to see himself through the lens of love. You were not a kid who knew how to be compassionate and gentle and kind to yourself. That instinct naturally comes out with animals because animals are safe for us to show that side of ourselves. I saw your video the other day with Jon Snow, Amber's cat, and you were like little Jon Snow and you were doing your little voice. And I was like, and you're allergic to cats and you're down there like pet gnome and whatever. So I'm like, <laughs> and that was my whole point. You, you are a really nice guy, quote unquote, pretending to be really, it was survival instinct to act like a monster so that you could feel, you know, you were trying to feel safe because we know the nervous system's always asking, am I safe? So my point is, is like when you said, you know, to caring, caring is cool. Caring about people is cool. That's what I really try to also bring is to, because I know that's what I needed and still need in my life. There's still a 12 year old girl inside of me being like, does anybody see me? Like, I feel so misunderstood a lot of my, like my own trauma is the way that they show up. I'll always be working on them because I want, first of all, because I, I, I want, I want to heal too. I want to continue to heal too. But all the stuff that I learned on my own journey, I get to bring to you. And I recognize so much. I don't want to necessarily say of myself in you, but I could say samesies like Jordan, I yeah. get it. So like when you're acting a particular way and I use my big voice, remember I kind of yelled at you the other day, I gave yeah. you a little tough love and I was like, Hey, you know, like, burr, 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 burr. but most therapists aren't going to yell at you. They're not going to snap you up. They're not going to be able to try and use maybe some of the things that I, that I use. And I'm not look at, I am not comparing myself. I, I am very clear that there are people who I'm like, that is not my lane. That's where I, I'm not going to help. You know, you've told me more times than I can count that, Hey, this would be something that maybe you should address with a therapist. I'm not a therapist, but here's my approach. You would always make it very clear, very clear. You've never once poo-pooed on fucking therapy or Thank psychologist. You. You've always said everything has its place. I've just never found that stuff to work. I found this. I'm, yeah, you know? for you. And that's that was kind of the point I was trying to make earlier. And um, if you don't mind, um, 
two of my friends who, um, two of my closest friends who know me, know you, they've listened to the podcast. Um, they read your testimonial and they were both like crying, reading them. And they, they had a couple of questions. So can I ask you their questions yeah. and maybe you can answer them? Okay. Ooh. One of them was, and you answered this one, what was a little bit different about our work together? Um, is there anything in particular that you found most helpful in our work? Now you kind of answered that by saying, I would approach it from these different places, the spiritual, the scientific, whatever. And I would always back it up with data. Is there anything else that you would want to add that you found most helpful in our work? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Um, you actually explaining the way the vagus nerve works and when you're in fight or flight, what it does to your frontal cortex. So you then showing me the strategies to calm it down and get my brain chemistry right was huge for me because everyone always says, you know, breathe, breathe it out, take some deep breaths. Okay, dude, why? Why? Like, why? Like, for what? I breathe every day. Like, what do you mean? And you explain how the vibratory experience up and down your throat, how sound vibrations affect it and how it literally, de I guess, regulates your vagus nerve and regulates uh, your frontal cortex and uh, it takes you from fight or flight to calmness right so I mean there was there's a lot of different things but the number one thing for me was understanding why you're having me do what I'm doing and then me actually seeing the benefits of it in the quality of my it's like holy shit this happened today and I handled it like this okay yeah yeah, it was pretty cool. And it's cool when I learned a lot of these too. So I've had some brilliant teachers. One of my teachers, Melissa Tears, is a genius hypnotherapist. Uh, she wrote a book called The Anti-Anxiety Toolkit. And all of these things, the bilateral stimulation, that's where I learned that from, right? I knew about tapping, right, and different things. But the fact that you were willing to try these different things. And I think what also, one of the things that I saw that I thought was um, fascinating working with you. What you just said when you said, I would explain to you why these solutions worked like in your body and stuff like what. So, you know, why my heart's racing, what can I do? And I would be like, pound on your chest and make this sound or do this or do this, all the different tools. But the other thing is that I feel like, and this is me, I, I'm patting myself on the back a little bit, but I want to hear your take on this. I feel like I helped to kind of like normalize what you were experiencing. Like I would say to you, of course you're doing these things and feeling these things because of look at what you've been through X, Y, and Z. I don't know if anybody had ever kind of helped you make the connection between your behaviors and your trauma. It wasn't that you were just fucked up and you were like bad. I was like, Jordan, let's go back and visit younger you and some of these things and just maybe starting to help you connect the dots so you could stop writing a story and having this identity of being a bad person. Is that making sense what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Absolutely you know, does. and you know, you weren't thrilled to, to look at some of the no. younger, the younger years. I didn't uh, force no, it on you though. Right. Like I, I, I mean, no, you did. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You gave me an invitation to explore it. And I realized that, you know, if I do want to heal and I do want to have a better quality of life, um, these are just things I have to explore. Right. And I started remembering things from my childhood that that I did not remember that I didn't know happened. You yeah. know, I remember that. I remember getting a yeah. few boxes and being with you when you were having like a memory. And sharing and like, ooh, I always just say, I wish I could be in Florida to give you a hug right now. 
Um, okay. Um, one question. So somebody asked, like, so where did it start your gateway to healing? And this is what's so interesting, though. Like you started to see psychiatrists and stuff when you were like four. Yeah. So when did it actually like? Did you feel like it was to help you? Like, at what point did you realize, okay, I'm talking to this person to heal, like to help me? When did that begin? So, I, you know, as mentioned, I didn't have a lot of luck with psychiatrists. So for me, healing would be books like The Secret or Abraham Hicks or any, you know, number of motivational speakers, personal development, self-development. That That's, you know, I was kind of done with outside sources, even though I kept plugging away, you know, because yeah. you know, it's what you do, you know, you know, you got BPD, you got to be in therapy, this and that. Yeah. You know? And then, um, I don't know, once we started working together, um, I would say it was probably after like the first month of like actually being receptive and practicing things and then seeing all the marks on my calendar. And, you know, because I'm very harsh on myself, right? You are like, wicked hot on yourself. So it, it was just like one of those things, like I was able to look at the evidence and the way I was handling things and the way I was communicating with others. And it just, you just kind of realize it works. It, it's hard to explain because it's, it's a. I know it's hard to explain. This is the challenge that all, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that all my, my people who I work with say is like, and to be clear, I want the listener to know that yeah. was not a softball. I did not lob that to you saying like, I was waiting for you to say, well, you started your healing journey working with me. I know you started to read some books and that's what I want the listeners to hear that there's, there's free resources out there. If you, especially if you can get a library card or, you know, whatever, there's, there's a lot of information out there. You spend a lot of time on YouTube too, right? Absolutely. So the biggest difference is all of these books on, and, and you know, audio books and um, YouTube clips on personal development and motivation are that they'll give you strategies and tools. But again, I'm not healing any of the hurt that's there, right? You know, you can put, you can put as many casts I don't know how to explain it. You know, like you can put as many band-aids on a cut as you want, but if you're not giving it time to heal, it's always going to be there. Right. Like, you know, it's festering. You gotta, yeah. You know, so I, I'm, I think the biggest thing with our work and when I realized is like, wow, I'm touching on all of this stuff that I've avoided the entirety of my life that I never talk about. And then I started seeing progress in areas when I actually started being vocal about my childhood and things yeah. like that, that I weighed like the plague. And, and you did, you did avoid them like the plague. And I'd yes. have to say to you, like, hey, I noticed that when we're, you know, talking about and not just you, you know, it's a, it's I think um, I attract sometimes a certain type of client. And a lot of times it's like. Hard workers, fucking blue collar kids, go get is like, um what's the word? not always but i'm saying they recognize people who swear and don't mind that i swear right there's a, there's a there's a kind of person that they can recognize something in me where they know that i'm going to either give it to them straight or i'm not bullshitting them or like my Look, own homie, yeah real recognizes real you know like for real like you know because you put your sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but like you put your story out there you're vulnerable. You share the fucked up shit you went through. So I know it's just like a fitness coach. Like people can take this how they want. I'm not going to an overweight, out of shape person who doesn't go to the gym for advice on how I should be training. I'm not doing it. Not saying anything about being overweight and being lazy, but that's not who I'm going to for my coaching. 
period. You've gone through your share of shit and you've healed from it and you've thrived in despite of it and you've helped others do the same. So I recognize that. And I'm like, this is not a bullshit person. This is a person who puts everything on display for the world to see like, hey, this is me and this is what I've gone through. So I know you're equipped, right? I, if I'm going to war, I want the most battle-tested veteran next to my side. You know what I'm saying? Not the person who learned about emotions and psychiatry in a book. Not that you haven't. I, I, I know, know what you're saying. I, I know you've done a multitude of studies and classes and have like a laundry list of certifications, but that's not why I work with you. I, I don't care about it. I mean, you have it. That's cool. I work with you for you. And, and that's a hard thing for people to grasp unless they know you and communicate with you. Like, again, like, like we said, like, and I'm not like blowing, blowing smoke. smoke in your air <laughs> balloon, right? But you do, you have like a million hours of certifications from this, from that, from that, from that. And that's, that, that, that's not why I'm here. I mean, it's good to know you have that for the analytical part of the brain, right? Cool. But yeah, that, that's not why I'm here. Like real really does recognize real in that regard. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. And um, let's see, here's, um, okay. So KT wants to know what is your go-to tool or strategy or internal stabilizer that you like to use when you're struggling? Do you have a favorite? So yeah, the, um, so deep breathing really helps me, but when I'm at home, my, <laughs> my favorite one is the Tarzan okay, where, which, you, yeah, okay. where you beat on your chest, right? Take a deep breath in, inhale, and as you exhale, oh, and there's a reason in science between the sound, the vibration, and traveling up the vagus nerve that, and, and it really, really fucking works, and well, it works fast. I know it works. It, cha it changes. But so to be clear, you guys, Tarzan is the name that we call it, right? There's more fancy names, but even that is part of how I work, is I try to use language like I know you love Vikings, right? We're always talking about vegan Vikings, da, 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 da. So I try to know the person I'm working with and use language. So I could be like, hey, Jordy, do you want to like pound on your chest and like make weird noises? Or I could be like, hey, you want to do the Tarzan, you know? And you're like, what? what's that? And I show you and I'm like, let's just try it. And I'm willing to look weird with you. And we do it and we do a few rounds of it. And we see, does this shit work? My neighbor I, doesn't appreciate you because sometimes <laughs> in the morning with my shower, I know I'm just like, oh, like I'm like, this lady probably thinks I'm a, just a maniac, bro. <laughs> like maniac. Well, I mean, she wouldn't be wrong. You are. Kind no, of not at all. Yeah, you are kind of a maniac. Um, <laughs> so I remember saying to you, can you go outside, just get some vitamin D on your skin and do your dyes? And you're like, I'm like, do you have a backyard? You're like, mm, my neighbors. So you're like, that's an inside. That's an inside one. But we've done tapping in your car. We've oh, yeah. done bilateral. I mean, we've done it all, right? And so the thing, the thing I'm trying to say is I've never been interested in creating codependent. I wish I didn't say never. Way back in the day when I was dating, I probably loved codependent relationships. But as a as the work that I do, I'm not interested in creating codependent relationships. So my goal is to give you as many tools and not overwhelmingly, but like, hey, each week, try this one on. And there's always going to be some that resonate more than others. So I love that you love the Tarzan. And I'll never forget the first time that we did Faster EFT. 
you were really, you were having a tough day and that, um, you know, we did, we did it like a bunch yeah. of times, but that really helped too. So I think it's powerful though, because before this, you just feel like, well, I have quote unquote, like a tabletop. We call it this tabletop. Like, oh, I have anxiety. And when you get labeled with this thing, it feels like, well, this is just a thing I have. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. And the great thing about these tools is like when we do them and we notice a shift in our bodies, which then gives us access, like when the amygdala is firing and we're in fight or flight, we don't we don't have access to the part of our brain that makes good decisions. So even just getting into the body and calming down the nervous system so we start to have access to that is so, because I've seen you literally shift huge amounts in like a five minute window. I mean, it's oh, yeah. pretty it's pretty fantastic to see. And it just keeps giving me more proof and evidence that this stuff works. So I oh, just yeah. want, so thank you for always being willing to uh, play along. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 life changing. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It, it, it really it really it really is. You know, I don't know. I don't know how to explain. It. It's just like when people get heated or angry and they're in fight or flight and they fire off that email or they make that phone call or they have that conversation. Or they, they yell at just, their kid or like whatever. Yeah. Take that five minutes to regulate yourself and you will show up to the world completely differently, completely different. That is some truth right there. All right. You ready for another question? I'll let Let's you go because I know you got shit to do. Um, Emily asks, what's one of your favorite things that you've learned about yourself? You can take a moment. Oh, Jordy. Um, that I'm worthy of receiving love from others. You know, that I am good enough, that, that I am enough where I'm at. And yeah, you know, I know that, I don't know, you know, how that may sound, but like for someone who's viewed themselves as some kind of monster in their entire life and to kind of actually accept that you're not you're just a hurting person who's living in survival mode and to realize like you yeah to be able to receive love for for you yeah 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 <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. yeah i know that you know <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah. thank you for sharing okay is there something about yourself what's your least favorite thing that you've discovered is there something that like you still bump up against or want to still want to change or what's your least favorite thing? It could be something like I'm really stubborn or blah, 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 or I sabotage, like whatever it is. I'm not saying like, let's tear sure. yourself down, but what's something about yeah. yourself? That I think, I think it would still be in a sense, the way, the way that I view myself, like most bodybuilders and people in the fitness industry, um, you know, body dysmorphia, wherever my physique is, it's never good enough, never big enough, strong enough or lean enough. Right. And then, you know, I also remind myself of the truth, which is in the world of fitness, there will always be someone bigger, stronger, leaner, whatever it may be. And it's so true. It holds so true that comparison is the thief of joy. You're here to be better than who you were yesterday, not better than someone else today, period. Yeah. So I think that's what I struggle with a lot is, you know, being a very harsh critic of myself. And it's like, fuck, man. The world can be hard enough without you being hard on yourself. <laughs> Thank so, you, double amen hands. Double amen you know, hands like, to that. That's yeah. really good. These are really good answers. Okay. What is the most challenging or painful moment 
that you came face to face with in working with me? Remembering uh, being however old I was, two, three or four, sitting oh, in God. my bedroom, um, literally wanting help or love or attention or whatever I wanted from my mom. And I would just sit there and literally bang my, this is so weird. I can't believe I remember. It's like, never share this. Uh, literally sitting there in my room with the lights off, banging my head on the wall until I would fall asleep. And um, yeah, I didn't remember that up until months ago. Just, you know, yeah, that's how I would kind of, I guess, soothe, soothe my, soothe, right? Soothe myself to sleep was literally banging my head on the wall until I would pass out whenever that would be. I remember, I remember exactly where I was when you first told me that story and I just bawled, just cried. And it, whew. I thought you were going to say what I make you do weird shit. I didn't know you were going to bring up that memory because that memory like yeah. takes me out. That that one hit me hard because I never realized that I was just like a baby or a child who just wanted to be loved. I and never you, viewed myself that way. You know, you I still just still Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> That's I am. The, right? Meaning, meaning, let me put this in context, listeners. You've heard me say, people often say to me, you know, do you work with kids? They could really benefit from this work. And I say, well, no, I don't. I said, but. I work with little kids in adult bodies. That's what I'm yeah. doing. So, and that's, uh, yeah. And that's why I kind of like persisted. I can be a persistent motherfucker. I was persistent with you. And, you know, when we were talking about the pots work, right. And, and me just saying, and I sent you those books on like no bad pots and the introduction to internal family systems and saying like, Hey, at some point it'd be incredible. I want to get certified in pots and I'm trying to right now. It's, so popular it's like a lottery to get in um but i uh submitted and i submitted this morning to cross my fingers i'll find out by friday if i get into the lottery so oh hell yeah okay. fingers crossed we'll see and um but anyways but i remember um where was i going with that oh i remember being really persistent with you because I knew that, you know, Joseph Campbell, you know, the hero's journey, like all the movies we love, Rocky, Star Wars, they're built on this whole thing. There's a call to action. The, 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 the person in the story, like Luke Skywalker, right, has to go on this journey to find his teacher. And then he comes back home with, with uh, resources and gifts and tools to, to share with other people. Rocky, the same thing, right? He had to go on that journey and he finds Mick and he's in the gym and then he comes back and it's like, you know, all great stories are like the mythical heroes. As a, as a vegan, I don't, con I don't condone chasing the chickens. Exactly. But it's okay. Yeah, me either. Me either. Or punching the, punching the, the hanging beef mm -hmm. in the meat locker. Yeah. But, um, but Joseph Campbell, you know, says, you know, the, the, basically the dark cave that you that you uh, resist entering, the dark cave that you fear to enter holds the treasure. Always. And, I, and I said to you, like, hey, and I would say, hey, Jordan, maybe we can like look at some of these pots, you know, within you. And you'd be like, nope, all set. Nope, all set. Remember, you'd give me the give me the look and I'd be oh, like, yeah. okay. And then next week I'd be like, so what do you think about like, and when you started having these memories, I was like, oh, these parts of him are like sending up flares, right? They're like letting us know like, Hey, I think we want to, you know, and you said to me, I'll never forget getting the message saying, I'm starting to get a little curious about what's, what they're trying to tell me. And I was like, oh my God, it was like, my heart just like I was so happy for you because something shifted in you. 
And I'm reliving it now. Like I'm playing it in my head. And I see your your head too. You're you're kind of looking at you're going into memory too. It's um, just interesting. Like myself and other people won't admit or accept that there's parts of themselves and things that have happened that they've not dealt with. Like it's just not real. Meanwhile, they can recall their dog dying when they were seven and still cry about it. You know, so obviously, you know, so if that can affect you, you don't think the emotional or whatever type of abuse that's been lurking, staying inside you doesn't have to be dealt with. Like everything is energy. It, 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 it persists if you continue to write what, what you resist persists. persists. It's yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, we still I mean, we still have work ahead of us, but man, Absolutely. I mean, we can see um I can clearly see, I mean, the people who don't know you as intimately as I do, but I, I, I can just see what, what has been really great. And so let's, um, let me see. I'm just perusing these one more. Um, okay. Here's the last question. You ready? Sure. What's your vision for yourself? This comes from Emmeline. What's your vision for yourself moving forward? Or maybe this was my question and I just threw it down there or KT, but one of us wants to know, <laughs> I know, I, I know I do. Cause yeah. here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. One of the greatest gifts that I can give to my clients as a mentor, as a coach, as a hypnotist, whatever, you know, there's a, there's a saying in A Course in Miracles, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically like, you know, people could only be as good in your presence as they are in your mind. Absolutely. So the vision that I cast for you, <clears throat> how I see you and hold you in my mind is part of the magic that happens here. And so- I often say to my clients, I hold the vision of you and the strength in all this stuff of you and for you until you are ready to claim it for yourself. Until you're like, I, I see myself this way now too. I'm ready. Let's go, right? All this stuff. So I have a vision of you and for you myself, but I want to hear what what is your vision for yourself moving forward? My vision for myself is, is pretty clear. It's just to continue on this journey of healing and self-love. And my number one priority is absolutely being the best father possible I can be for my daughters, making the biggest impact I can in my clients' lives on their journeys, making the biggest impact I can with the animals in terms of veganism, and really just trying to live my life day by day with an attitude of gratitude, because I do realize life is precious. It's no longer a chore for me to live day to day. It's, it's a gift and it doesn't always feel that way, but I know that's what it is. So I think my vision for myself is just to continue a life of, of presence, gratitude, and just focus on what's in front of me because, you know, as you and I know, there's only so much time ahead of us. Like life is nothing but a string of moments and it takes one moment for it, for everything to go away. That's it. Yeah. I know presence is one of those big things for you. And I know that I've um, been watching your journey with your daughters and being a good dad means so much to you. The only thing I care about, and it's funny, I think about it often is when I leave here and go home is the way my daughters remember me. I, I really, I mean, I could care less about what people remember about my athletic bodybuilding, powerlifting achievements, or even in the world of activism. Like, I don't care how people, I just care about what my daughters remember about their father with the time we had together. That, that's what, that's literally the only thing I'll care about on my deathbed. That's it. And the only way to be that person is to continue this work. You can have a smile on your face and, you know, play with your kids and all that, but to actually be present and get on their level and listen and hear. And like my daughters know when I'm with them, I'm with them. My daughter knows when she's telling me about, 
you know, why she painted her nails this way and what happened in June, like that I'm there with her in that conversation. It's not just like, a, uh-huh. Oh, that's great. No, no. It's like, yeah. Well, why, why did you feel that way? Like, why, what happened? Why, why were you, you know, like, it's just, it, it's, 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 it's the, I was about to say it's the biggest, it's the greatest gift you can give your kids, but it's not, it's the greatest gift you can give yourself, you know? Well, every time you're being present for your daughters, you're, you also vicariously are being present for yourself and you're noticing what you feel and you're noticing what you're saying and you're noticing your own state of being. It is mutually beneficial, Absolutely. you know, it's mutually beneficial. And, you know, and there are times, like you said, I mean, we're all human. We're all going to have times like you were just holding your phone and like, yeah, there are going to be times when maybe we're not being present and we're not and you yell at your kid or you do these things. But having tools to come back to love, having tools to come back to a regulated nervous system, having tools to come back to yourself, back home to that place where your internal stabilizers are kicking in, you know, that is one of the that is one of the greatest gifts. And I know I've seen you talk about like, you know, hugging your daughters and hugging them. Remember the time we were talking about it? And I said, well, you know, when you hug her, you're co-regulating her nervous system. Just how like when you used to say like, oh, I asked you when you had your sanctuary, like who was your favorite animal? And you were like, was it Leroy the donkey? Leroy, yeah. And I said, well, you and Leroy, because mammals co-regulate each other. And so being in each other's presence, you guys, it was like so beneficial for both of you. It's the same things for your little ones. When you hug her, and you make her hug you and you take some deep breaths together. Like, and this is why I get so excited for you. These are tools and stuff that not only are going to benefit you and benefit them. These are things you can teach them. Oh yeah. Because Most your of- oldest daughter is a lot of, is a lot like you, you said. Oh yeah. So- <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it's beautiful, right? I mean, you can see you can see yourself in this mini version. And he's a tough cookie. Well, who else is a tough cookie? Yeah, I know. It's okay. Tough cookies are still good. They're she good is. Cookies. She is. I mean, she's a she's a young woman. I mean, she's 12. She's yeah. stepping into her teen years. She's a Absolutely. young woman who uh she's got her own we all have our own brilliance and bullshit. Absolutely. You know, so I, I, is there anything that I didn't ask you that I wish you wish I asked you, is there anything else you want to say or leave with the listeners? No, this was like a really, really good open, honest conversation. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was was real AF. (laughs) (laughs) I know we curse a lot when we talk. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying my best to when you I listen know. back to this, we we did some MFs, we did some Fs, we did some S's. We've done we've done the alphabet on this You're episode. Fucking serious? Like- <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being willing to um, have it. This is a really this is a really big deal. It's a really big deal, and I appreciate you. Um, not just obviously speaking kindly about our work together, but being open and honest so that other people can maybe just get some direction or motivation or hope or knowing that, um, you know, when you said something earlier and it's something that um, I learned kind of the beginning of my journey, um, you says, you know, so many people become successful, you know, despite what happened to them. And I really think that part of our superpower lies in that transmutation, that the alchemizing of our trauma so that we often become 
who we are because of what happened to us. And so we can take those old things, not despite, but because of. It's because of what happened to you. It's because of that little boy banging his head on the wall. It's because of all these versions and iterations of you. You know, my friend Brenda McBride, who um, saw the testimonial on Facebook and she wrote you that note and she's a hardcore trauma therapist, like real deal, holy field, hypnotist, like she does it all. And she's wins all these awards in Texas, in Texas, because she's, she's a badass. And she saw your, your post and she said, you know, Jordan, you are, you are a warrior. You are a warrior. And so many people have read your story and said, man, I love how he continues to fight and he keeps going. doesn't mean you don't take time to rest because you know, I support that. The fact that you are still here the fact that you're still able to have conversations with your biological dad, the fact that you're here and you're <clears throat> growing this business and you're helping the animals and you're helping your clients and you have a huge following and you have two little girls who love the shit out of you. Because of who you are and who you're continuing to become. And it's not that you're <clears throat> so much becoming this thing. It's that all that is not you is falling away. And and what's left is that beautiful soul, that beautiful human being, that beautiful spirit that you are, that, that, that big ball of love that you are. And we're just chipping away at the stuff that no longer needs to be part of your present experience. And so all that's left is, is over time, we hope we're moving towards all that's left is love. That's why I'm so adamant about people doing this work. You know, it's easier to chip away at the crud when you have the tools to chip away at them. It's that simple. You know, the more tools you have in your box, the easier it's going to be. Amen. Yeah. Perfect way to end. Perfect way to yeah. end. So Jordan, I love you, brother. Thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing your story. And uh, I hope that um, people really get a lot from this. And will you just share with people how they can find you and check out your stuff? And if they need... Uh, support with strength training or vegan yeah. nutrition or transitioning to plant-based and all that stuff, uh, how they can find you. Absolutely. So one, I love you and appreciate you and everyone out there listening. So thank you. And um, two, you can find me on Instagram at conscious underscore muscle, or you can check out my coaching at consciousmuscle.net, or you can grab supplements at cmsupplements.com. So keep it very simple. And um I'll, yeah. put that, I'll put that all in the show notes and stuff too. So Check thank you so Check much. Yeah, no, I'm doing thank you so much, sweetheart. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day and I appreciate you so much. And if you've spent the time, I hope you stuck stuck around and heard this whole interview. <clears throat> Just thank you so much for being here. Wherever you go, wherever you go, may you leave yourself and the people and the animals and the environment and the planet better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may the people and everybody you come in contact with be happier that you have been there. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny show. (laughs) I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. 
You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. <laughs>